Ah, hey Islanders, you're listening to Breakfast on the Bridge, the featured morning show of KMIH 88.9 The Bridge, bringing you a smoldering serving of local sports, news, and talk on the island. Grab a plate, grab your cutlery, and enjoy the show. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm Molly. And I'm Theo. And welcome to Breakfast on the Bridge. This is a special episode. It is a best of episode. Uh, yeah, because it's going to be a very late start because the sophomores are taking uh, a standardized test. We won't be able to be in the building in order to do the episode live. So instead, we are pre-recording this episode a day early. So, and we're giving you all the best of... Uh, how do I say this? Okay, so basically, <laughs> so basically, we're just uh, going in here, giving you the best of what we have to offer on Breakfast on the Bridge, mm-hmm. plus some new stuff. So yeah, so it's gonna be a wild ride. We're happy that you have joined us this morning. I know it's gonna be kind of early, but we're excited. We're pumped. But why don't we start off, Theo? What did you do this weekend? Uh, quite a bit actually. So Saturday, Sunday, I. Um, I just decided to work, but Friday, uh, don't tell my teacher this, but I might have skipped school. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, but, but it was for a good reason. I went to Kamano Island. That's a good, that is a good reason. What did you do on Kamano Island? Um, I just hung out there. I just hung out there. Like, I just decided to said, you know what? Might as well just spend the day up there and do so by going on my signature, public transit. And... (sighs) And yes, there is a way to get there using public transit. Yes, I took it. And yes, it was awesome. You really like public transit, don't you? I do. I made a feature about it last week, too, so... Would you, if the option, would you take away cars and just make everyone do public transit? Um, it is really complicated. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, basically, short answer, yes. Long answer, well, it depends on some edge cases. Basically, in cities, absolutely... Absolutely. Cities are built for people and people need to and people who need to get around shouldn't uh, secede the streets to a uh, to a two ton box of steel. (laughs) But if you're in like a country rural area, it's kind of impractical. Yeah. Uh, So you should. So cars should still exist, but only for like when you absolutely need them. Okay. Thank you. Well, thank you for (laughs) for telling me. I don't think I've ever been to Kamano Island, but. Maybe we have to go visit if you're giving it such a, a high rating. Yeah, uh, it's quite a beautiful place, and it's really uh, out out in like the country, so to speak. So <laughs> that's nice. Um, I did a lot of things this weekend. I feel like I did a lot of things for the first time. So I went over the weekend. I went to my uh, stay at my friend's house. She lives in Polesbo, which is in Kitsap County. And so I took a ferry. I th- So the th- weird thing is, I feel like that was my first time driving on a ferry. But at the same time, it's I got like deja vu. Like I've been, I like I've driven on the ferry before. Because like I've never driven myself on a ferry. Oh, but I yeah, feel like, I get the feeling. I, I was like, have <laughs> I? Have I? Have I really? But then I was like, no, I haven't. So I was trying to remember for like a full hour if I've ever driven on a ferry before. And I don't think so. But it was a really weird feeling. But anyways, so I got there. It was super fun. Then um, 
But then the next morning, we decide we're like, oh, what should we do? She's my friend was like, oh, there's a Viking fest in town. I was like, what? A Viking fest? And apparently, Polsbo is, is a huge Norwegian town because I think um, a lot of Norwegians moved there a long time ago. So there's a lot of you know Norwegians. So they have a huge Viking fest every year. So we went there. It was a really huge market. Some people were dressed up, but it was hot out. So I'm like, some people were dressed in like furs and whatnot. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> but there was like nice vendors. I got some clothes. I got some records. Um, it was super fun. And then, so that was my first ever Viking fest. And then I went and got my first ever tattoo. <laughs> Ooh, rebellious. I know, right? I, I was doing a lot of things that I don't normally do. Um, I, it, it was really a spur of the moment idea, which is seems like that's most of my life. Yeah. I, I just I just do things. It's like, I'm like, why don't I just do this? But then once I start doing it, I'm like, am I regretting this? Will I regret this? But um, so I got a small tattoo. I got fairy wings behind my behind my right ear. Um people keep asking me like, oh is it super painful? Tattoos, no tattoo is gonna feel nice. Like it doesn't feel nice. <laughs> um and it's also on a bony area, of course, because it's there's no really no fat around your around your head. But um it wasn't it wasn't awful. Some parts didn't feel nice, like, of course, but it was it was pretty quick. So um but I love it. And then after that I went to my first ever time at my first ever time going to Olive Garden. Oh no! Oh boy! Have you ever been to Olive Garden? <laughs> um, I have not, but I've heard capital S stories. It, I loved it. <laughs> it was so good. The breadsticks. I've always heard so much about the breadsticks, and I could say that they, the breadsticks, did live up to their hype. They were yummy. And I wish I could have, like, stuffed them in, like, a purse and taken them home <laughs> with me. I don't know if we have any Olive Gardens nearby. Do you know? Uh, there's probably one in, like, Factoria or something. Okay. Or am I thinking of Applebee's? But all my friends were like, you've never been to Olive Garden? I'm like, no. I don't know if there's any but anyone nearby. I don't know. I just... I don't know. I've always wanted to, but I was like, I, I just... I always I feel like Olive Garden is just something that you, like, it's not constantly on your mind. So I could never remember to, that I wanted to go. But I did. And then after that, I went to my first ever drive-in movie theater. Ooh, those are good. It was so nice. We love... I have a, I have a pretty big car, like a big mom car. <laughs> and so we um put the seats down in the back and we put a bunch of blankets and pillows and we had some snacks and we pulled into the drive-in movie theater. Yes, we were 20 minutes late because of Olive Garden. Yes, did we watch the movie? We did. <laughs> but, but it was super fun because... We don't really have drive-in movie theaters around Seattle. Do yeah, we? like yeah, like the closest one that I know of is all the way in Jeffco. Yeah, so it's it's I've always wanted to. Like I, you see those on movies, they're like, oh, I want to do that. Yeah. And my friend was like, oh yeah, we go all the time. I'm like, lucky. I wish we had one. Do you think if we got a drive-in movie theater on Mercer Island, do you think it would be possible? But do you think it would be um? Po- what was that the word I'm trying to say? Do you think people would like it? Um, I would say yes, but the fa- but the amount of people it would uh, uh, send packing, no, because you think so? Uh, yeah, because there's not enough space on the island. That's quite true. frankly, <laughs> like I think it would do somewhat well at least. But the thing is, I don't know where we would do it. Yeah, exactly. That's the that's the thing. You have to somewhat. 
somewhat you have to when doing a drive movie theater you're somewhat destroying some grass that you're parking on because all these cars are driving it over and over again but some the one that i was in was like gravel but we don't really have that many spaces since we live on an island i'm trying to think is was there be any places maybe like an old parking lot or something uh luther burbank yeah uh yeah that's too bad yeah, I think, I think too it, bad. Maybe somewhere on like the lid or something like that. Oh yeah, like you should probably like extend the lid. Yeah, <laughs> build more island. Build more um, islands. Do it. An extension to more island. We'll just do an add-on, like a giant floating dock. Yes, just connected to it. Um. So yeah, I it was amazing. I it's, it was just like the movies. It felt like so surreal, and I did so many like in one day. I did so many first things. So when I got home, I I like when we got back, I like conked out. Oh, I was so tired. Yeah, I, I get that feeling. And drive-in movie theaters, they have, like, a double feature. So when you're there, you're there, like, till, like, 2, 3 a.m. So, but it was amazing. I had a really good weekend. But I'm glad you did as well, even yeah. though you skipped class. But <laughs> I won't tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody nobody will know except for the people who listen to this station. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, I think we have some features coming up. I think we have a media bias news feature, which that sounds interesting. Uh, yeah. So Miles Avales was pretty busy over this uh, over this past weekend, and he made this feature about media bias. Let's listen to it. In modern America, political polarization is alive, and it's stronger than ever. Today, nearly two-thirds of Americans say that the political climate stops them from saying what they truly think. And more than a third of people would be displeased if their child married someone from the opposite party. Many believe that the blame for this polarization falls primarily at the feet of mainstream media outlets for providing their users with a twisted version of the truth that only reaffirms their users' biases. One news website called AllSides.com seeks to fight back against political polarization by exposing media bias and revealing the tactics they use to divide us. I had the chance to speak with Henry Brechter, the head editor of All Sides, to find out how exactly bias shows up in the media. You know, obviously headlines and and photos and things that are right in your face are more obvious examples of bias, but bias shows up in a, a lot in what they don't say. What facts or viewpoints on an issue do news sources seem to selectively omit maybe to suit an agenda or maybe because they're in their own bubble and they don't even know about that you know alternate viewpoint or relevant fact that they missed another subtle way can be when a source instead of linking to the video of whatever they're talking about or linking to the pdf document of the you know proposal from whatever politician If they don't give you the link and they instead just sort of paraphrase or don't use direct quotes and sort of seem to subjectively analyze themselves what happened as opposed to just giving you the primary source material so you can review and make your own decision or even stacking several views against another in an article. A journalist might get both sides of an issue in an article, but they might write it in such a way where they have one person who supports an issue giving a big long quote followed by someone who opposes the issue. But then right after the opposition, there's another quote from someone who supports the issue. So you just get that sort of sandwich effect, two supporters, one opposed, and even something subtle, seemingly small, can have a big effect on the reader's takeaway. Where do you see the future of political media going in this country? Like, Do you think these problems will get worse or improve? 
I think more and more media are becoming aware of the issue, especially in terms of trust. We've seen trust in the media among the public greater. That becomes a problem for media business. A lot of media outlets, newspapers, whatever it was, were already struggling. Now, if no one trusts them, they're going to be struggling even more. So I do think there's been sort of a shift to being aware of this bias and to actively trying to present a more neutral or nonpartisan or balanced product. So that's promising. We've seen evidence of that at all sides, actually, where now companies are paying us to help them uh, understand their bias more, understand how their audience sees their content. And that is another powerful sign of a real industry shift and growing awareness. Thank you to Henry Brechter for taking the time to share this insight with us. To hear the full interview, you can go to the KMIH website and listen to the MI Insider podcast. I'm Miles Alvarez, reporting for 88.9 The Bridge. Thank you so much, Miles. And uh, yeah, media bias is still a very big problem. Definitely. It's probably it's probably started out with like the weird, like social, this even from like years, years back from like when people first got like social media that was interesting. And now it's becoming more and more and worse and worse of a problem. I think Theo is just going to say something that big that happened based off that. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's not, it's not just media biased. It's fake news altogether. Mm. This morning, I was scrolling through my Twitter feed. When, as one does. Uh, yeah. <laughs> as just one do, does early As in the one morning. does, just doom scrolling Twitter. And uh, I found this I found this tweet claiming that there is an explosion at the Pentagon. However, <laughs> however, that tweet is was from a fake uh, news source. Someone someone uh, who is posing as Bloomberg. And oh, that yikes. photo was it was AI generated. It didn't even show the Pentagon. Mm. It said it showed it instead showed a, an amalgamation between the White House and the Pentagon. Yikes. Um, um, that person, whoever did that, is going to be facing a lot of <laughs> charges uh, yeah, a lot, right a about lot of, now. Yeah, a lot of flack and a lot of charges. Good luck with the government. Um, I wish you all the luck. Um, but, yeah, I mean, with AI becoming more and more intelligent <laughs> um, and advanced, um, it's like, it's crazy to see things like this starting to happen. Like, first, it was like, Oh, it's just like AI is getting so, you know, advanced, but now it's like it's getting too advanced. Like I remember like first off when um when some of the like original AI like more like like a couple months ago when like the, the that AI started popping up more often with, with yeah. like, chat GBT. Yeah, chat GBT. Um they did someone I saw on the news that they uh he he sent an AI generated photograph into a photography contest, like a prestigious photography contest, and he won. And afterwards, he told them, he was like, this was AI generated. I just wanted to show, like, the media how, like, nothing can be, like, trusted anymore. Because even, like, the most beautiful things can be recreated by AI. So he, like, got his award revoked um, just to send, like, a message that, like, AI can do anything now, including win your photography contest and you wouldn't even notice. And because he would have won, like, a bunch of money for this photograph. But it wasn't even his because, I mean, yeah, it, yeah, AI is Yeah, it was AI generated. Yeah. And uh, I was talking about this at work last night uh, with uh, some of my coworkers, and basically, speak. I saw you you last <laughs> night. Yes, yes, we did. And I was like, Theo, what a coincidence! I'm about to see you in like ten hours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And 
yeah, we were talking about like how the providence of AI in terms of like the writers' strike and mm. how like yes. the directors and actors will will uh, join them later because the studios want to switch to AI because it's cheaper. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- I mean, the, the thing is, like that strike. I feel like that strike's not being publicized enough. Like a lot yeah. of people don't even know that's happening, but it's so important because writers. We'd be nowhere without writers of TV shows, books. Like or even yeah. us, even us. Like, yeah, Annabelle in the back, our producer. She can't do. Uh, sh- uh, AI can't do what she does regularly. Yeah. So um, I don't know. It's so upsetting. And like when you hear how little they get paid compared when they are the ones creating this script, so these actors can make like millions of dollars <laughs> on movies. It's like you think they couldn't just like cut a little bit of their pay and give it to give it to the writers you think exactly yeah <laughs> i don't think leonardo DiCaprio needs to be you need to be getting like 80 million dollars every single time he he's in a movie for 5 minutes let's be so real right now yeah like if you're just if you're just in a movie just standing and waving you do not need to get paid yeah right but if you're actually writing the source material coming up with the ideas and uh, and figuring out the plot points and lore, you need to get paid the big bucks because yeah, yeah. you're the most creative. Yeah, seriously, because you you look at a movie and you're like, wow, like that actors, they're so good. Like they really made you know they really made it feel like it was a movie. Well, yes, the actors are so talented; they're becoming these characters. But who do you think wrote the script? Who do you think made that script so they can say those words and make it seem lifelike? Like the writers are the one that made the story come alive. Without them. You'll be you would have no you wouldn't have your favorite TV show. There would be no Game of Thrones. <laughs> There'd be nothing. So, yeah. So support the writers. I know it's not being publicized, which is probably because because <laughs> the writers <laughs> for publicists are standing down for this. But um, uh, I don't know why it's not being publicized as much. I didn't even really know about it until I saw it on TikTok, of course. So yep. It's interesting, but as we were saying, like it's getting media is getting dangerous. People are, you know, can are like their jobs are being threatened. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of scary to see how our <laughs> <laughs> world is changing. It's like um, all those um, AI movies that <laughs> that the that Matrix, predicted, the yeah. Matrix, uh, two thousand one Space Odyssey. All the Blade Runner, they all had a message, and that's about AI. Um, so, I.e. don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And obviously, we didn't watch these movies, because apparently people are just doing the same things that they did. So uh, Yeah, very fun. <laughs> but anyways, um, thank you, Miles, for that really good feature. I think we should go on to one of my favorite features. Maybe it's because the song is just so catchy at the start, but let's hear from our amazing executive producer, Annabelle. Yep, people on the streets. Let's do this. Hello, I'm Annabelle Hegarty, and this is... People on the streets. A series where I go around and ask random people random questions. This week, I was wondering who among my peers has the best pickup line. Let's hear some of them. You're a nine. Because I'm the one you need. Are you mega mind? Because you mega in my mind. Are you a charger? Because I'd be dying without you. Uh, so my pickup line usually goes like, I say like, how are you? And then they'll, they'll say good and they'll, and they'll ask me how I am. I'm like, good now that I'm talking to you. But it doesn't usually work. How much does a polar bear weigh? Enough to break the ice. Are you Wi-Fi? Because I'm feeling the connection. And then in Spanish, it's, it's es tu Wi-Fi? Porque me siento el conexión. I hope you don't CPR because you just took my breath away. 
You a parking lot because you got fine written all over you. Are you a Jedi because Yoda only one for me? Are you my appendix? Because this feeling in my stomach makes me really want to take you out. Uh, are you from Tennessee? Because you're the only 10 I see. Are you from Tennessee? Because you're the only 10 I see. Are you from Tennessee? Because you're the only 10 I see. So, my favorite pickup line is, I'll be like, do I recognize you? Do I know you? And I'll be like, oh, because I've seen you in my dreams for a couple times. It's not really a pickup line, but it's like a strategy. Yeah. So, it's it's like a little... <laughs> it's like, one could say it's like a story. So, I'd be like... Yeah, I went fishing the other day, and the guy I was fishing with caught a fish this big, and then obviously the victim would be sitting next to me, and I'd go, but I caught a fish this big, and then I'd put my arm around I think all of those pickup lines were pretty creative and convincing. My favorite pickup line is, are you a time traveler? Because I see you in my future. Next time you need some inspiration on how to ask someone out, you know where to go, right here on 88.9 The Bridge. Well, uh, thank you, Annabelle. <laughs> wow, um, that was definitely really interesting, for sure, for sure. That was a weird two and a half minutes long of hearing pickup yeah. lines, especially <laughs> when you're, you know, hearing it directly in your ears. Yes. <laughs> um, it's a bunch of random people that you don't know. I'm telling you pickup lines, which you will all experience this <laughs> and will be experiencing with us. Um, Theo, do you have a favorite pickup line? I am forever single. I refuse to use pickup lines. Yeah, I don't think really people use pickup lines that often yeah. anymore. Yeah. It's like, unless you're going, unless you're moving toward like that, unless you're moving, unless you're moving toward that one, uh, uh, that one lonely chick in this, in the, in the far corner of the bar, uh, and you're like drunk off, drunk off everything. Uh, you're not using pickup lines. Mm, yes. Um, yeah, I don't think I have a favorite pickup line. You know, I don't, I do not like the Tennessee one. Like, are you Tennessee? Tennessee, Tennessee. Cause, cause Ugh. the thing is, it's like, everyone's heard that. Like, I feel like if you're going to have a pickup line, make it original, make it, you know, cool. But I don't know. That one's overused. Um, I was trying to listen to that last one and I was trying to figure out where it was going and I really couldn't. Like, oh, so it's basically, it's basically. It's basically a play on the oh, there's an oh, there's plenty of fish in the sea, uh, like that thing, like that expression when you uh, when uh, you get rejected by someone, it's like oh, that's fine. There's, there's plenty of fish in the sea. Yeah, but yeah. I but I think I got it. Like they put their arm around the person, but um, that was interesting. <laughs> for sure, for sure, for sure, um, for sure, for sure. But yeah, I, Annabelle, I I always listen, like love listening to Annabelle's um, people on the streets because they're always. So funny and um, definitely original for sure. <laughs> definitely original, yes, because of the many people yeah. that that she comes across during seventh mm -hmm. period and seventh period exclusively. And if you're gonna hear um, a bunch, if you're gonna hear from a bunch of people, it, they're definitely gonna be interesting, especially when they go to Mercer Island. Uh, they're gonna have some <laughs> some opinions for sure, which is. Um, which is why that was pretty funny. Sometimes there's like really chaotic ones and whatnot. So it's always good to hear those. Uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, I got interviewed on People of the Streets uh, sometimes because I used to frequent 7th period a lot. Now I don't as much because I frequent 6th period now. Mm. Uh, basically, no hard feelings. I just have three off periods now, <laughs> two of which happen to be back to back. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
What was your favorite people's street question you got asked before? Uh, I think it was, what is your least favorite food? And I just went on a whole tear about peanut butter. You don't like peanut butter? Oh, I absolutely hate it. Completely despise it. Yeah, I feel like for peanut butter, you either despise it, hate its existence, Hello. or you love it. Yeah. There's no, there's no in between. You can't just, you can't just think. But it's also like, <laughs> it's also like group pol- polarization. Like when you're like, in when you like something and you learn that someone else doesn't like something, you're then when you hear that, it like you become like more against it because you want to be right. So yeah. like, even if you like it, then eventually you're gonna become you're gonna love it because then you're gonna hear the people that don't. You're like you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. I really like peanut butter, but that's just because I'm like strange with the things I eat. Um, what's mm. the weirdest food that you like? Uh, or a combination of a food because I know mine. Ooh, I think is that I think it was like that one time in Singapore when I got uh sugarcane juice. That sounds good. Yeah, it's like basically it's basically just liquid sugar and oh super good. Oh that well that was you know, I didn't expect something like that. I thought <laughs> I thought like I thought it was gonna be like some like like weird thing. Because mine was gonna be weird, but yours was just like good. Cause I was gonna say that like my um my the, the weirdest thing that like I like is like my grandma used to make me this like she made me have this as a child and I was terrified to eat this I was disgusted by it. I was like no way I'm eating this no woman I like it then I tried it trust me it's good don't hate it okay well you're gonna hate it because you don't like peanut butter but um but it's bread peanut butter and then you put um uh pickles <laughs> Uh, it's a peanut butter and pickle sandwich and i know everyone uh, you everyone listening just, um that sounds disgusting it sounds i know it looks disgusting just taking you behind baseball here. but <laughs> when you have a sweet and sour pickle or a, like a no it's like a sweet pickle not sweet a sweet pickle you put it on the peanut butter and then it's 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 crunchy it's creamy it's sweet it's nutty and it's a little bit tangy <laughs> So it's all the right flavors combined to one. But I do not think Theo would think this because he doesn't like peanut butter. Yes. But if you do like peanut butter and you do like pickles, trust me on this one. It's delectable. But don't do dill pickles because that would be gross. Please do sweet, sweet pickles, sweet pickles, not dill. Uh, What do you think about that, Theo? Because I just went on a tangent for like a minute and a half. So Please excuse me for a moment. Oh, oh, he's leaving. Goodbye. Yeah, um, he's leaving. Yeah, he uh, did not like that. Apparently, I hope that he. I hope that he comes back. Um, because, um, I think he's a little bit mad at me for that. But to be fair, peanut butter and pickle sandwiches are super, super good. Um, Theo, please come back. I'm sorry. Uh, that was a really dramatic. Please come back. Oh, you can't get in. I forgot it's locked. Um, he's back. I apologize for uh, my actions. Um, I'm not going to apologize for the food, but I will apologize um, that I scared you so much <laughs> that you wanted to leave the building. Meh, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, you really like, was that the worst thing you've ever heard? Uh, like one of the grossest things of food combination. Do you like pickles? Uh, somewhat, yeah. Okay, well... You like one thing. Maybe you could just have a piece of bread <laughs> maybe, with pickles yeah, maybe, on it. Maybe just, maybe just that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so do you have any weird food combinations? I know you said candy cane or whatever it was. Sugar cane, uh, sugar cane uh, juice. Yeah. yeah, just like crushed sugar canes, drink the juice. Isn't that, well, it's not like too sugary? 
Um, I like sweet a lot. Yeah, me too. Um, just going through my repertoire of uh, <laughs> who boy. Um, I oh yeah, during COVID we were during COVID at school. Uh, basically, uh, in person, in person people. For lunch, basically, they the school's budget got cut a lot for lunch, mm. and we just got prepackaged meals. And one oh, of the yeah, things right. that was prepackaged was dried radishes. Oh, and the hummus. Yep. Yeah, that was not the best. Not the best. Um, they also got rid of that after COVID. They, Good. During COVID, they had um, pita hummus and then vegetables, and the vegetables weren't vegetables. I'm sorry, <laughs> I don't know what happened, but they were radishes and yep. like another weird vegetable like they weren't like carrots and like they weren't carrots and cucumbers which are so good in hummus they were radishes <laughs> it's like who wants radishes okay but anyways what but after covid they cut that and um they no longer ha- have vegetables in the hummus uh, pita and hummus just pita and hummus good good which is sad but i mean it's sad that nobody can eat their vegetables but understand it because those were awful vegetables yeah all right. Um, I think it's time for a song. I feel like dancing. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any good options for us today? Uh, I don't know. Probably. Let's see here. It's still "Rock and Roll to Me" by Billy Joel. All right, hit it then. All right, that song was "It's Still Rock and Roll to Me" by Billy Joel. Thank you so much for listening to Breakfast on the Bridge. Right now, because of standardized testing, we are currently doing a pre-recorded episode, meaning. No news, no sports, more of us, and the best of our features. Whoop whoop, thank you for joining us. If you just joined us, we are glad to have you. Sorry to cut Billy Joel off, <laughs> but you're going to hear from Few and I. I love Billy Joel, for one. Yeah, same B- here. Billy Joel is um, an amazing, amazing artist. I think Billy Joel is actually going on tour coming up. Ooh, really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. He's touring. I can't remember. There's some other artist that he's touring with. Let me look this up. And it's it's like a really good mix. And I wish I could... I wish, I wish, I wish I could go because who doesn't want to see Billy Joel? Who's your favorite artist? Um, That is a really complicated question. Uh, basically, uh, solo artist, Billy Joel, obviously, and uh, group... Ooh, boy, that is... That is a lot. Yeah, but I'm oh, sorry, I just looked it up. But Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks are going on tour Ooh, together. That is a really good combination. An amazing combo. Um, obviously, they know they knew what they were doing when they put Billy <laughs> Joel and Stevie Nicks together. Yeah. Um, you're saying your gr- favorite group band? Uh, honestly, I don't know. Yeah, There's it, so many good it's groups. It's really hard. Yeah. Whenever people ask me questions like that, which, sorry, because I just asked you that question, but it's hard to answer because there's, like, I have a favorite. Like, I have multiple favorites for every genre I listen to. But, um, yeah, let's see. Who are some of my favorites? For I really like groups. I like Queen, Fleetwood Mac. Um, yeah, yeah. Queen, Fleetwood Mac. The Beatles, of course. Um, who doesn't like the yeah, Beatles? Like, if you don't like the Beatles, or seriously, what what are you doing with your life? Exactly. So like I stuff like that. I get not liking their first couple albums. That it's just because because it may be sweet or saccharine. But their later albums, if you don't like them, please reevaluate. Except I for know. Magical Mystery Tour. <laughs> <laughs> true. True. Yeah, I just I really like seventies and eighties rock. Yeah, but rock is a huge genre in itself. Like every genre has like subgenres, and rock has a lot because there's like you know so many different rocks. Like I don't know, like the difference 
between like Queen Rock and Fleetwood Mac Rock, a huge difference. Yeah, like it's huge. So yeah, rock is a mass rock and roll is a massive umbrella genre that mm-hmm. encompasses a lot of stuff. Same with country and rap and uh, basically just about any other country, uh, uh, any other genre. Sorry, yeah, yeah. that go that extends all the way down to I don't know something like. A uh, lo-fi cottagecore hip rap. <gasps> Is there a, a, your a least favorite genre of, that you have? Um, basically, uh, country country immediately after nine eleven. Okay, I don't know what that means at all. Uh, basically, they just upped the ante in patriotism. Okay, like Got it. yeah, like uh, like uh, hey editor, please cut this out. We'll put a boot in your. It's the American way. Great, thank you, editor. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't like I don't like countries a country as well. Like, don't get me wrong. There are good country artists. A lot of them. Like, um, who was I gonna say? I was gonna say Dolly Parton. She's kind of a country oh, yeah. rock. Um, older country. Some of it's better. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. It's like sweet and soulful. Some rock has essence of country, and I do like folky country. Like yeah. I like um. Some of the, some of the newer folk are a folky country artists are really good, um, so I like that. But I don't like the really you know southern um, more newer country. Yeah, that's just like that's just not just like rock country or um, or folk country. It's just plain country country. Like talking about driving my pickup truck. Oh, and bro, stuff. country. Yeah, yeah. So I don't like that. Um, I'm not the hugest fan of newer of newer sorry newer rap. Um, mm, I like older. I like older rap, like eighties, nineties to two thousands, like that. Like Eminem. Oh yeah. Um, MC Hammer Time. Those are always those are good artists. Yeah. Um, but I don't like some of the newer ones. No, it's not. It's just not my thing. I mean, that's. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, trap is uh, re- trap is really controversial these days. Jeez, you're moving a lot around. <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, taking it behind baseball, uh, I am just trying, I'm just trying to put my headphones back together while I speak, piece which is a, piece. which is, uh, which can be a little complicated, so. <laughs> no worries. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there's good, there's, of course, like, I say that I don't like a genre, there's good artists in every genre, yeah. there's good things I like in every genre. I, like, I do just, like, mostly like older music like I have that doesn't mean like I like some newer newer stuff but I prefer like older music because I think yeah that is absolutely fair yeah um also I don't know if this is a huge this is a pretty big genre but I'm not a huge fan of EDM um oh all the yeah time. EDM yeah some EDM's cool for sure and sometimes it's just a little bit too much for my <laughs> sensors <laughs> but um yeah I don't know. What do, what are your opinions about EDM? Uh EDM. Uh really good when it's not sanitized. <laughs> yeah. Basically, uh basically early form Skrillex, I really like. Yeah. Like like seeking monsters, that kind of thing. But uh but uh but like the cold heart guys or the uh oh P- uh who am I thinking of? Oh yeah. Uh PNAU. Really don't like them. <laughs> I got it. We'll not we'll not play them around you, don't worry. All <laughs> right. So I think it's time to go to another feature. We have Andrew, I believe, did this um this feature for a New York Times podcast with Puget Sound Band. So why don't we get to that, Theo? Let's do this.
High school comes with a lot of stress, whether that's academically, socially, and mentally. Students balance grades, sports, extracurriculars, family, and friends, and it can be overwhelming. However, a couple of students are using their musical talent as an outlook to combat these stresses. Here's Quinn Haba, lead singer of the rock band Puget Sound, to tell us how it all started. Puget Sound became a band around springtime of 2020. We had just gone into uh, lockdown from school. School was all online. The band, we weren't super close friends at the time, but we, 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 we knew each other mutually and we all knew that we played instruments. And I'm guessing what, what happened uh, was that we were, were, were all just looking for a, uh, something to do really during, during this, uh, these unprecedented times, if you will. Puget Sound started like many other popular bands. We come from a, a pretty small town, and that means that we've all known each other. You know, all of our classmates have, have known each other. You know, going going on ten years. So, what that what that means is that like everyone knows who we are, and we know everyone, and and uh, our entire high school is is kind of involved in our in our group in our our fan base. At the shows we play, just seeing like a, a bunch of, of your community members come out and, you know, like be at the show and then, you know, just next day at school, they're like, hey, that was that was so great. And, you know, you get like, you know, 20, 30 people saying that was so great. Like that's that's so rewarding. And and that that connection with our community, because we really feel like we are Mercer Island High School's rock band. Three years later, Puget Sound is still rocking out. I talked to Alexander Allen, the lead bassist, about their success on Mercer Island. I don't think a lot of other schools have that same type of spirit. I think our concert was really special and unique because most of the senior class was there, so it really brought us together. And I don't think a lot of other schools have that same type of uh, community where people want to get together out of outside of school like that. However, not everything is as easy as picking up an instrument and playing. Lead guitarist Matthew Pingalo and Quinn talk about how they've overcome issues within the band. Uh, well, one of the main things was our differences in music taste. So starting out as a band, you mostly play covers and choosing those covers was really difficult. And because we wanted to choose covers that we all were willing to play. Because that's another thing, if you guys play any songs that someone the band doesn't want to play they're not going to play it to the best of their ability i think the band has mostly evolved in skill we used to be uh pretty bad back in the day and over the the three or so years that we've been playing together we've learned a lot about each other's like you know musical quirks and just how each other play music isn't the only thing these members are learning I've learned so much um, just being in this band. I think, like, honestly, I've learned more um, just about myself and others and, like, business and production and, you know, so many things that are uh, everyday skills in almost every job. Puget Sound also believes that their band gives students and themselves an outlet from the stresses and anxieties that come from life. Um, absolutely. I mean, just for me personally, playing music is definitely an escape from um, anxiety, and I think that that is the same for a lot of the band members. And 
being able to just take my individual enjoyment for that and uh, share it with like three of my very close friends. Um, you know, sometimes it doesn't even feel like a, a traditional band. It kind of just feels like we're we're four friends hanging out. Oh, and we happen to be playing instruments. As these seniors move on from high school, Matthew got inspiration from one of their newest songs, Moving On. You know, I think Moving On is subconsciously about me moving on from Puget Sound. These guys I basically grew up with, and I just know pretty soon I'm going to have to sort of deal with not being with them anymore and learn where to go from there. As these seniors start their next adventures, one thing is for sure. They'll carry their passion for music with them wherever they go. Thank you, Andrew, and thank you, Puget Sound Band. What an nice, heartwarming podcast. Yeah, exactly. For this morning. Um, I know all the, the boys in the band. I'm close with them, and it's amazing to see how they've grown as a band, as friends. They've gotten definitely gotten better throughout the years. Yeah. Um, for, <laughs> sure, for sure. Um, so I, it's, I wonder, it's interesting to see how they're um they're doing and they're doing super well they are playing some big things and i'm proud of them and excited for them it's it's really interesting because we do not have a lot of high school bands so yeah like there's i think puget sound is the only is the real only option when it comes to like young students making music that's outside of their school yeah a lot of i feel like a lot of people just like don't have the free time and then some people like don't play instruments even if they did yeah or others just don't just plain don't have the resources yeah although although speaking of this uh uh we do have uh songs from other people on this station uh sadie jensen and nicole henderson uh to to name just two oh they they made oh yeah that's right both of them have songs that they created yeah put them on air which is so interesting so if you hear that you're listening to the radio station you're like hey this music sounds great i don't know who this is maybe it's gonna be them yeah shazam it see uh see what it is yeah <laughs> shazam it no anyways should we get to a song then? Speaking of music, uh, yes. Um, here is a big artist that is causing ruckus all over the media constantly and constantly stealing money out of everyone's wallets for for her <laughs> for her tour. Here is Taylor Swift, "State of Grace." Hello and welcome to You Didn't Know This. I'm Tolly, and this is a segment on KMIH that will give you your daily dose of fun facts. So today on You Didn't Know This, I'm going to talk about the 1950s and the space race. It marked a period of huge growth in spaceflight technology. However, the first living beings in space were not humans. Many of the first astronauts are animals. And today I'm going to tell you a little about them. Specifically, the three Soviet space program dogs that are the most famous. Their names are Laika, Bilka, and Strelka. As many of you know, Laika was the first living being to orbit the Earth on the Sputnik 2 mission. Her name roughly translates to Barker, and she was a stray in Moscow. Russian strays were selected, as it was theorized by Russian scientists that they had learned how to survive in extreme cold, and as such could cope with the unfamiliar ways of being forced to live in space. Unfortunately, while the test was a success, along her fourth orbit, Laika died of overheating probably due to the malfunction of her life support system. Her sacrifice taught science how to keep things alive in space, as evidenced by the next two dogs. Bielka, which basically means squirrel, and Strelka, which means little arrow. 
They were dogs that were put in a capsule with many other plants and animals for testing of life in space on the Sputnik 5 mission. I'm pleased to say that they actually both survived and went on to live long lives. Fun fact, one of Strelka's puppies was actually given to the Kennedy family by Nikita Khrushchev in 1961. That's all for today. Till next time for a new fun fact, I hope you learned something new and stay tuned to 88.9 The Bridge. Wow, thank you. And that music was <laughs> was nice. It was very um, peaceful. Uh, yeah, uh, Tolly does this a lot. Basically, uh, he creates a new episode every week, including this one, I think. Ooh. And uh, yeah. Yes, he, I did definitely did learn something new. Uh, yeah, uh, I knew about Laika, but I didn't know about... The other two dogs? Yeah. I knew about the first dog that passed away because... That is so heartbreaking. Of uh, course, I knew that. I know, um, but I didn't know about the other two dogs. And I'm so happy that they that got they survived. To survive. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's still, you know, it's upsetting to hear that like people would do that to these poor dogs. Like they didn't <laughs> ask for this. <laughs> but um, well, to be fair, uh, well, to be completely fair, uh, uh, imagine if, yeah, imagine if uh, they sent up a they sent a human up there to die. So. Yeah, I know, but it's like you're trading something for something. Yeah. Um, but it's it's that's interesting here. I didn't I didn't know about the other two dogs, and he, um, Tolly's is that his name that created this? Yeah, yeah. He has really good pronunciation of their names. I don't know if he. Yeah, he is Russian. He's Russian. Okay, I was gonna say his pronunciation was like perfect. <laughs> I was like, okay, fancy, but yeah, um, that was that's interesting to hear, um. Yes, I feel like the it publicized the one dog that didn't make it, but it, I'd never heard about the other two dogs. Yeah, and I didn't know about the fact that uh, space dog, uh, one of the space dogs' puppy was given to Kennedy. That was interesting, for sure. Uh, they're like, here's your prize, mister, for winning the space race. Yep, but- doggin'. But uh, <laughs> I'd like to I'd like to have a dog if anybody wants. I mean, another dog. If somebody wants to give me a free dog, they're welcome to. I have two dogs and a bird. What type of dogs? Both black labs. Cute. Black labs are super sweet dogs. Yeah, but uh, they're pretty dumb. Not as dumb as golden retrievers, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Do black labs and golden retrievers have some beef. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have an Australian Shepherd, so she is too smart for her own good yeah smarter than me which isn't i mean that's not a big thing that unfortunate unfortunate but still still embarrassing she's just way too smart like i forget to do like i forget to close my room door one day and then she knows that i didn't close it and comes back to my room like pushes the door open and eats my food like great thanks leia (laughs) she's named after princess leia what are your dog's names uh harry and taylor taylor swift Harry Styles? Uh, uh, <laughs> Harry, I chose in second grade. Taylor, don't know. <laughs> but I'd funny. like to imagine Taylor Swift. Right, perfect. Well, he's a Swifty then. <laughs> <laughs> she's a Swifty. She's a sw- oh, yeah, sorry. She's a Swifty. <laughs> um, all right, do we want to cut to another one, another little feature? Because we've been hearing some really good ones so far. Uh, yes. Uh, this one is simply titled T.W. Mobile. Don't know what it is. Not an idea. I was trying to see if you knew it, so I was, I was going to say. Don't know what it you is. You introduce it, but we're about to we're about to hear T.W. Mobile. 
Let's roll it. Have you ever considered visiting Mualbual in the Philippines? This city is known for its lush sea life and reef diving sites as well as its tropical on-land scenery. One of Mualbual's most notable attractions is the Sardine Run, where just off the shore you can dive into the waters and swim among millions of sardines packed into schools. You may also find time to go snorkeling to see some bigger fish, or simply visit the city's incredible beaches. The best time to visit Mualbual is March, April, or May during the summer months when the weather is clearest. However, no matter when you visit, you will always be greeted with clear skies and sunny weathers. In the Philippines, you will often find cuisine rich in ginger, garlic, chili peppers, and lemongrass, as well as many foods rich in flavor. I'm Sophie, and this has been the Travel Destination of the Week. Thank you, Sophie. Uh, coming up next is Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. You know, it's a shame we only have an hour. I know. Especially we, when I'm so talkative. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We want to talk more and more and more with two very talkative people mm -hmm. on the show. But unfortunately, due to kind constraints, we'll have to say goodbye. I know you'll miss us. We'll be back soon, though, for probably for our last senior <laughs> broadcast. Hopefully. Hopefully. Knock um, on wood. Wait, where's wood? Uh, there it is. It's right in front of you. Okay. Um, <laughs> but thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. I hope... Everyone has an amazing morning, especially you, Theo. It's been great. Yep. And likewise. Anyways, this has been our best of Breakfast on the Bridge. I'm Myra Haas. And I'm Theodore Freeman. Goodbye. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed your helping of Breakfast on the Bridge, brought to you by our KMIH staff and dedicated to the stories, lives, and people of the Mercer Island community. We hope your dinner was as good as your Breakfast on the Bridge. And thank you for listening.